One of our favorite things to do here at Beyond Healing Center is therapeutic retreats. Our retreats are three to five days with holistic wraparound services, all designed to meet your personal needs and goals. You can choose from a menu of services, including EMDR, trauma-informed massage, nervous system-informed yoga and movement, and even equine therapy. From the moment you arrive to the moment you leave, we've crafted this experience to be one of safety and healing. Whether you're interested in a retreat for yourself, or if you're a therapist interested for a client, we would love to talk to you about how our retreats can be a part of a healing journey. Contact our retreat coordinator at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com or visit our website at beyondhealingcenter.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, where we value each person's humanity and what life experiences shaped you to be who you are. We, as the hosts of this podcast, seek to embody these ideas as we explore things like trauma, its impact on the body and mind, and even how it has shaped the way that we are in relationships. Trauma is not the end of our journey. So within this podcast, We will also discuss what it's like to heal, move forward, and grow as a human who has experienced pain. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma Podcast, a guide for your healing journey. We are here in studio with Bridger, Melissa, and myself, and we're going to, I think, just start out by sharing a listener email that we got yeah. a question and then we've kind of from there planned the episode around that it was a beautiful question that i think is very common and can open up a pretty vast discussion yeah. so yeah so i got this email um and it just starts out here's a question for the podcast can one fail at emdr i know i can't but i'm afraid to what if my system's reactions are wrong and I don't do what you as a therapist want me to do? Hmm. So many layers to that. Yeah. Like I want to answer each one of those. Each, it's like, it's like a package of questions, yes. really. Yes. Each one individually. Yeah. And I think too, uh, to broaden it past just EMDR therapy, like that's one specific type of therapy or approach, but therapy as a whole. I think I, I get that that sentiment from people often is like, what if I can't do this? Or what if this doesn't really like fix the problem? Or I don't know. I, my other therapist fired me like those kinds mm, of that like language. feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Well, so what comes up for you as you hear that question or those oh, questions? So I immediately go to something that I'm not even sure is really super helpful, but I'll say it anyway, which is the importance of metaphors because in the question is an assumption. And the, the assumption is that failure is a construct that could be associated with the act of therapy. Right. And that has to do with um, the metaphor that is lurking behind the understanding of what therapy is. Mm. Um, if failure is an option, then that means that therapy is a test, is um, 
a hurdle to jump over Mm -hmm. that I could fail to jump over. And so I think like my immediate reaction is, whoa, we need a totally different metaphor. We contextualize this thing. (laughs) So I think, I think a metaphor that might be interesting to explore um, would be a metaphor of dance, Mm. a metaphor of journey. Could you fail to get to the destination in a journey? Yeah. But what if the journey is not about going to a particular place? What it's about, what if it's about exploring an unknown territory? Mm-hmm. Then how do you know if you have succeeded in doing that or not? Well, it's a little more complicated. And so I think like immediately I start looking for a metaphor that feels truer to the experience of therapy. Um, and also feeling curiosity around you know the the reasons why culturally we use metaphors that are so heavy laden with um yeah harshness and um conflict and pass fail and good bad and um yeah yeah much more left-brained um capitalistic metaphors rather than right-brained creative artistic metaphor um, so I don't know if we want to go there, but that's where my head went first. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also kind of like interested in that way of thinking because to me, when that question came across it, it sort of reveals, I think, a fear-laden mm-hmm. perspective, which tells me quite a bit about just how this person may have conceptualized relationships in general, mm-hmm. um, that it is something that can I, that I can fail at and that I can then like be rejected from right Um, i could disappoint you yeah and and once again the metaphor of therapist as teacher that is grading me is lurking well here's a different this is an interesting caveat to that because i i have heard we have talked about even (laughs) the conceptualization of therapy as a dance Mm -hmm. well you can have a bad dance partner you can and that's the interesting kind of nuance to that metaphor because for me i I don't know that I'm a great client as a as a therapy client. <laughs> um, just in that I've had many therapists like th- that they just didn't go well. <laughs> like it just wasn't a good like fit, and it it felt to me like eh, I don't really know. And that's kind of some of the origin story of why I wanted to get into doing actual clinical therapy and not just research psychology is because I did not have good experiences in therapy. And you can look at that many ways, I guess. If, if I was a bad client, I don't know. But um, in that, I want to maybe see if it's interesting to you all to spin on that. Of like, what does it mean to be a bad client? Because mm-hmm. if you can fail, I think that that assumes that there is that yeah, dynamic. There's a good, bad, pass, fail. Yeah. It feels like such an objective perspective <clears throat> over the therapy relationship yeah. and over the people participating in the therapy relationship. If therapy can be failed or a client can be bad, we're assigning these objective values to, yeah, yeah, to, to grade or to standardize the process where if we're more so emphasizing its relationship, we may not, we don't, we don't, in my constructs, there's not like a way to fail relationship. There may be struggles in relationship and ruptures, mm-hmm. and we may be out of sync, and we may not align on everything, but there's not something to fail in it. We can fail mm-hmm. an objective outcome. A marriage can fail 
because we could get divorced and no longer be married, but that relationship in and of itself isn't failing. It's just facing a journey, like mm-hmm. many different... Yeah, transition yes. in that way. Yes. I think yeah. there is there is a version that certainly a lot of therapists have experienced where a client comes in as what philosophically is called a bad actor. Mm-hmm. And it's this concept of I show up under the pretense of being open to this experience, but actually I'm here for a totally different purpose. Mm-hmm. And in the dance metaphor, that would be somebody that shows up and says, well, I want to do this dance with you. But they have no intention of actually participating in the dance in and a they meaningful sabotage way. Or, they're like, yeah. they're, they're, yes, it's a, a very, um, yeah, the bad actor basically means that they do not have good intentions. Their mm-hmm. their intentions are somehow nefarious. Uh, yeah, nefarious intentions. Yes. So, is there such a thing as a nefariously intended client? Strangely, there totally is. It's a defense it mechanism is. for sure. Well, but it's actually really rare. Mm-hmm. It's so rare. Every once in a while, we'll have kind of a unique situation where it's like, "What beep are you here?" You know, like <laughs> clearly, it's not because you want help. Um, but but that yeah. is so rare in comparison to the person that desperately wants to do the dance. But it's just a little clumsy or has never been in a partner dance before and has to learn what this is like. Like, uh, oh, there's a leader and a follower and and this is the rhythm. And, you know, there's a pretty steep learning curve. And that, I think, is is a much more common experience than the bad actor experience. I think I like I appreciate having this. These two metaphors to kind of juxtapose as we're looking at something that is intended to be a, a flowing, mm-hmm. very organic, very natural uh, process, as the way we practice therapy is mirroring of mm-hmm. um, the nurturing and maturational relationships of early development. Like that's mm-hmm. really what we're going for, is reparenting in a lot of ways and um, helping this person to grow into um, a well-nourished, well-loved person. Mm-hmm. Um, when you add something that is objective into that mix, like some people practice EMDR, you there is, I feel, some inherent sort of friction with that first yeah. way of practicing. That, yeah. no, this is just an organic, natural, relational process. But we also have an objective. So it's then like, oh, well, does that mean I was with you with the first thing, but does that mm-hmm. mean I can fail the second thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I fail the EMDR part? Mm-hmm. Or could I fail the CBT part? Right. You told me to yeah, do this homework, the these exercises, and oh my God, I forgot, or I got too overwhelmed, or I tried and it didn't go well, or I tried to do that meditation exercise and I actually felt worse afterward. Did yeah. I fail? Yeah, or I fell asleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to that, I would say, great, great that's job. totally the point. Um, unless it's a dissociative response, then that's something yeah, good, we can good, explore. Good, yeah. um, but I, like, I'm curious what you guys sense at the heart of the question because I don't think it's the bad actor version of it right the intention I think is so sincere and so pure at least that's what the question feels like so what is at the heart of the question can I fail therapy like what do you guys understand as sort of the the fear underneath the layer of the question I I, I I want to preface with like I would love to hear our individual takes on that rather than somebody says something and then we all kind of join oh, okay, and take okay, that. Okay. So I you answer, own, then Jen answers. Do you have your well, I, mine's just immediately going back to what you've already shared okay. in that of what it, what's at the heart of it and noticing like 
the assessment of pass fail and uh, of self in relationship and how that like to me there's like something so substantial in the core of that that then that gets projected upon all other things Mm -hmm. i think in a group consultation call i had someone sharing about a case and then she said did i do that right i mean just like the that kind of perpetual like am i am i succeeding or am i failing am i doing this right or wrong those constructs of when i come into relationship with people am i going to be able to meet the expectations Mm -hmm. of me and to me that would go all the way back yes so I want to say something to that, and then I'll give my answer. I know that I wasn't supposed to like. No, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, here I'm failing yeah. at, at the You're not. construct <laughs> that you gave us, Bridger. You're, right. you're introducing a new movement. Yeah, that's right. Dance. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to improv here for okay, a second. We'll a little freestyle. So, like, I think that most of us, at least in the U.S. and cultures that are very similar to the U.S., have no idea how much we are culturally programmed to understand everything as a pass-fail dynamic. A really easy example is the cultural concept of time. Mm. For instance, in our westernized capitalistic culture, there is being early, there is being on time, and there is being late. And each of those three things has exactly one minute difference. (laughs) And that is how granular we are about our pass-fail experience. You can either be early, on time, or late, and there's very, very little wiggle room in the difference of of being appropriately on time. And then you go to a culture that has a totally different construct of time, and, you know, 20 minutes late, well, they're not even paying attention to on time because that is not their construct of time. Mm -hmm. And we culturally can look at that and say, well, that's rude. But for instance, in a um, in a culture, in a more island-based culture, um, we can flippantly chalk that up to well, that's island time. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they're they're just not as concerned about such things, which is completely erroneous. What is actually very true? Very objectifying. Very objectifying. Yeah. What is actually true is they're concerned about something else. In that particular culture, they have a high value on always finishing what you have begun. You never leave a project unfinished. If you were in the middle of helping a friend do something, you would never in the middle and, and you know, in a million years, walk away from what they're doing in order to go meet somebody two else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's two o'clock, I gotta go, I have another meeting. Yeah. What? No, <laughs> like we're right in the middle of moving this piece of furniture, like you're, you're gonna help me finish because you committed to this. Yeah. So it's a prioritization of commitment over punctuality mm-hmm. and that's simply a value choice. So it's a very it's long way of saying. <laughs> you say the values because that's a part of mine as well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, but I, I think what's relevant is that these kinds of ways of talking about therapy is so laden with cultural values yep. and the ways that we make sense of our identity in relationship to other people and culture that we cannot make sense of why we feel the way we feel when we just think about our own individual life. And so that really factors in, yeah. is we have to kind of zoom out and say, whoa, we're kind of in a major situation here together as a culture where we prefer uh, perfection over the human experience. We actually believe that it's better to be perfect than to be you know, deep in relational experience and, uh, and trust each other to navigate the complexities of that, that performance is more important than our individual felt experience of something. And that objectification of a human being and almost prioritizing this robotic-like experience then carries over to, wait a second, what is the perfect client? 
Yeah. How do I, somebody please just tell me how to be the perfect client so I can be that. And when we, when we understand that that is so laden with values, we can step back and say, what if we use a totally different set of values? Yes. And I think that's what I'm getting at in a really, really roundabout way. Yeah. I think it, for me, it is, it, it's illustrative very much so of a person's values at the core of it in that it seems to me that failure and fearing disappointing the other while also not doing something correctly are very important. Mm -hmm. And so to, to disappoint an other, what could that mean? And that's where I pick up on some of the things you were saying, Jen, of going back to, well, perhaps there's already templates that you're pretty sure you are disappointing to others mm -hmm. so maybe you're afraid that this thing could also prove that yeah. perhaps in another way i think there's fear that maybe i can't do anything right and if i try to do the thing that i am hoping will heal me and i can't do that right what does that mean yeah. it means i can't heal and that's what the other place in my mind went is yeah. the fear of being broken beyond repair yep yeah. Which so many people come to EMDR already with that fear. Mm -hmm. And there's this promise of <laughs> this like, could be different. Oh, right. Yeah. This one might be different. So I think, you know, no matter what intervention you're applying, there can feel that pressure. But I feel it mm -hmm. more with EMDR clients of like, what if this fails? I've tried therapy for years in all of these other ways. Mm -hmm. And what if I fail at this and I'm still that broken client that CBT showed me I was and that DBT said I yes. was. And yeah. hopefully EMDR will be different. Mm -hmm. I think what was interesting in the question is the client directly spoke about your, I don't remember the, the language now, but like not wanting to disappoint you mm -hmm. in it. Is that what it said or did I just hear that? Um, one moment. What if my system's reactions are wrong and I don't do what you want me to? I oh. don't do what you want me to. That I think that was the, the piece that said like this goes this relationally, yeah. so relationally driven of it's not just about accomplishing the task or not, but it's about in this relationship with you. Mm. Yeah. What we, if I, I fail? I feel as though we should have done like a disclaimer or like a warning label to this because this is a level of scrutiny to those words that I don't know if people are always expecting. <laughs> like, Because even the way they're putting together these sentences, my mind is like looking behind them of like, oh, there's some... Mm -hmm. That's an interesting way to put that sentence mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. To me, that could show a lot well, of I know, like, read your like, mail type yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of confirm people's worst fears about therapists. Yeah. Like actually, yes, we're totally analyzing every movie. Yeah, like, and, and every word you say. And I heard that tone and that raise of the eyebrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, and that's where I want to just name that. And Jen, I'm curious about your face. <laughs> but I want to name it because to me, it, it feels important to just in, in a way own that that is going on in my head right to think but it's it's not with the intention to try and and hurt it's no. to me the, with the intention of just using what i've learned over the years of my practice and over the the study that i've gone through to try and make sense of what it is you're telling me mm -hmm. and i don't just do that with the actual words you're using but i i inform that with what's between the words how you're saying them mm -hmm. um etc so to me it's you know that language right there that jen you were curious about 
it is so much about what do you want me to do? Because that's that's what I want this interaction to be about. Like less about my healing, but really about what you want me to do. Right. There's a piece of that mm-hmm. that's true. It feels yeah. into you know under the context of I'm trying to pursue therapy and heal, but at the same time, there's so much of me that just wants you to be happy with me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that what does feel very authentic is that the only thing that we have to interact with is those words. If there was a real human being with us, what would happen is a very sincere curiosity and question about what their experience of asking that question is and what that means to them. Um, And I think in a therapeutic setting, that's exactly what we do. We don't assume that our initial interpretation is for sure accurate, but the experience of hearing these questions over and over informs some of our assumptions about (laughs) what this means. And what is held because for instance that that fear of am i broken beyond repair is tremendously common almost to the point of feeling a bit universal mm-hmm. of you know this thing that feels so challenging in me or so confusing in me it's been with me for so long that it feels like i could no more change it than change the color of my eyes and so that that feeling, if somebody's coming into therapy with that feeling, I think fuels that worry mm. of, can this really be different? Um, and we, because we've been in those moments with people so often, can absolutely say, well, sure. But that doesn't negate the original fear and worry of, am I you know, banging my head against a wall that's never going to move? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would feel curious for you guys about... Like, do you think there is any version of therapy just kind of not being the right thing at a right time, right? Like, mm-hmm. is there is there a space and a time where you just get that feeling of this isn't what is needed? This isn't the, the medicine for the current issue? Um, because that, I think more than can I fail at therapy, does feel like a potential reality, at least to me. My gut says, and I'm open to like conversation on this. My gut says that therapy itself, no, but the type of therapy, yes. Yeah. The it's focus a good and the tool, like whatever we're doing in it, yes. But to me, and that is just revealing of my conceptualization of what therapy is. It's mm-hmm. a relationship. To say a health self a healthy and safe relationship, if that equals therapy, then there's never a time that that's not good for a human. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's what are we doing in that? Yeah. If it's... And what are we putting on that relationship to do? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is where we have to have an ongoing kind of dialogue with like, what are we really desiring in this time? What feels like very pressing to you? And what do you want help with in, the, in this moment? Mm-hmm. And I can help inform some of those things of, you know, maybe pointing to things that feel a little bit deeper mm-hmm. rather than just like, well, you know, I'm just like not happy with my job. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let's like maybe open up some mm-hmm. of that. But if mm-hmm. it's more so like, you know, uh, I can't get over this addiction and it's threatening to mm-hmm. ruin my entire life, yeah. and that's going to shift my focus yeah. away from more of these meaning focused right. interventions to maybe a little bit more practical. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get some measures in place to help support you mm-hmm. uh, very practically rather than dig deep on these yeah. kind of deeper things. When I think there may be like a time where a client would say it's not what I need right now because there's mm-hmm. healthy, safe relationships and other aspects of my life. 
Like there's seasons of life you can go through and say, I don't have another place to make meaning of my experiences and to process and to share with another person. And those would be those times that therapy could be that. Yeah. Um, yeah, aside from what the goal is in it or what we're trying to accomplish, but even just for that relationship aspect. But that doesn't mean every human needs to be in therapy all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's certainly worse ideas. Especially yeah. the way that we're talking about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. very true. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I think what I experience pretty often with people is that the goal that they come in with is not the goal that we end up working on. Right. And... I think what can feel challenging about that is that moment where they realize like, oh, this thing that I came in wanting to be different, that may not be changeable or fixable. So I'll give an example. I recently had a client come in and say, what I need from therapy is for you to help me deal with the fact that my boss is a jerk. I need this job. My family needs the money. I need to stay. And I need you to help me just deal with this stress, with this tension. I need some coping skills so that I can stay in this job. I'm like, cool, we can do that. And as we begin to explore, what comes out is like, this is not just your run-of-the-mill rough boss situation. This is a full-on toxic, abusive dynamic. Like calling her at midnight to berate her for not doing her job well enough. Like, not okay. Not okay. It's different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a little different than like, work is stressful and I need some help. I don't feel acknowledged. Right, yeah, no, no, yeah. And so, so pretty quickly into it, I told her, I don't think that I can help you do the thing that you want to do because everything in me just wants to tell you to get the hell out as soon as possible. And how can we figure out how to make money really any any other other way way. (laughs) like any other way um and there there were kind of several weeks of of conversation around like her her body truly believing that this was her only option and we were able to you know track that into her past of that feeling of stuckness and i must tolerate this kind of treatment because it's what's best for me whoa right so so we ended up being able to to shift that and (laughs) a cool twist of things you know she's no longer in that job and we were able to to kind of support her through that process but if we just looked at did she pass or fail therapy based on that initial goal that doesn't look real positive Mm -hmm. but based on what she actually needed as a full human then it was very successful and so i think being open to um discovering what therapy can do for you in the act of experiencing therapy is usually a much more authentic experience than coming in with a predefined, very clear black and white goal of this is how I'll know that I'm fixed. This is how I know that I've healed. Um, And I think that as therapists, we spend a lot of time kind of navigating that with people of here's what we can do and here's what we can't do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the long and the short of it, I, I think that my answer is no, you can't right. <laughs> fail. If that didn't right. come through. <laughs> yeah, if that wasn't resounding by all of this. That's true. That I think, you know, no, absolutely not. But all of these things are to be navigated relationally. Yeah. That fear is something that can be named. And by naming it, we can bring compassion and understanding and, and hopefully some um, sort of very practical ways of, you know, supporting that person afraid of those things Mm -hmm. maybe tying some of those links back to the past of why that fear might be there and using that as a way of saying 
this could be different than that, and by so doing, actually heal some of those mm -hmm. early memories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you? So, well, so I'm going to torture the dance metaphor. Okay. You ready? So I am a child of the '90s. And that means that it is, you know, embedded within my bones, several different movies, such as Dirty Dancing, of the learning the dance montage, mm. right? And <laughs> there's always this point where there's literally so much frustration that both people just throw up their hands and walk away. I can't do this, right? And, you know, 20 minutes later in the movie, they're performing in front of a large crowd and it's the most beautiful thing that has ever happened, right? It's a great movie. And everybody feels warm and fuzzy about it. Um, but there is... There is absolutely a parallel in a therapeutic relationship where it's not natural at the beginning. Like, it's really quite an awkward, awkward. experience. Yes. Like, hello, nice to meet you. Let's do this dance together. Um, and so there's some some easing in. And there are those moments of, is this, are we even getting this? Like, this is the most awkward thing ever. Yeah. We've been trying this forever. And Maybe we need to take a break. Yeah, like you're that. stepping on my toes. I need oh. to just throw up my hands and, and walk away for a while. And in therapy, we actually see that as kind of part of the process. Mm -hmm. And in the coming back together and being committed to each other through the awkwardness and the toe-stepping and the challenges of that, what emerges is something you know beyond what we could have ever imagined. Um, and because as therapists, we get to go through that process over and over again, we have a lot of trust in it. We, mm -hmm. we know what it means to go through that. But clients don't. And so it's still a very tender, vulnerable, scary thing to kind of put yourself in a situation that includes awkwardness and potential toe-stepping and a little bit of pain and maybe some embarrassment and vulnerability for sure and trust that it is going to take you somewhere beautiful. And we know that and want to carry people through that to the best of our ability. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of, as we're saying all of this, there's a lot of therapists out there that don't practice the way that we're talking. Yes. And in those contexts, it might genuinely feel like I am failing their mm -hmm. expectations of me. And I would just encourage like those of you listening to, if you're feeling, whether it's from your own internal constructs or it's a relational dynamic with your therapist, if you're feeling like there's something to pass or to fail, mm -hmm. that you bring that into the space of the room yes. and you ask that yeah, and you share that feeling and you share that felt sense of expectation Yeah, because I, that may not be the dynamic that yeah. is best. With that mm -hmm. posture, I, I want to add to that feelings of like, perhaps not failing, but maybe I'm scared that I'm going to let you down, mm -hmm. that I'm not going to be strong enough to do what you're wanting me to do. Yeah, Any of those kind of feelings that you might be sort of holding inside mm -hmm. not wanting to show it out of that same fear that yeah. oh well if i name it that basically is failing them or basically <laughs> yeah. is letting them down but those are the types of things that will build templates for you mm -hmm. of having named now in that situation there's also then the increased potential that you could be rejected yeah. that is a legitimate Absolutely. possibility yeah. um as relationship is or, sorry as therapy is a relationship that means that there are potentials for, for it to hurt you. Mm -hmm. um, that is real. Mm -hmm. And what, so I'm going to out therapists just as a whole industry for a second because nice. it feels like I have the authority to do that. Sure. <laughs> um, but because we spend so much time talking to therapists, like truly all over the world at this point, and so many different individuals, what I can say with a lot of confidence is that the vast majority hold the same fear 
of failing their clients, mm. of not being enough for their clients. And however that presents itself, whether it shows up with you know true genuine vulnerability on the part of the therapist or some less desirable strategies like Blame firing, them. yeah, like firing a client because we don't feel up to the task of really helping and we don't know how to own that outright. Um, however that shows up, it is still my true belief that it is that cultural core of all of us being so afraid of not being enough for each other mm -hmm. that keeps us locked in that cycle. And that applies to therapists as well, to clients. Absolutely. And so whoever is going to be the brave one to name that yeah. in the space, sometimes because of the, the boxes and the rules that are put around therapists, we struggle to be the one to say that. Mm. And it is never the client's job to have more guts <laughs> in that dynamic. But the majority of the time, if a client brings that to a therapist, they're going to meet that with so much understanding because their body is holding that same fear. And, uh, you know, we, we talk to people all day long about being able to bring those conversations relationally into the space. And we believe that is a way forward in terms of what we all need to heal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if it's not welcomed in that space, mm -hmm. then that may be a key that this isn't the right dynamic or fit or we have to that take means your therapist time failed to... you just kidding <laughs> i was gonna say there's something to throw back at them if they that's right you. well <laughs> yeah i think this listen is to us. this podcast and it's, really but it's also about you so yeah that's true yeah it's always about us uh -huh. not one or the other um yeah i i just want that message to come so clearly through this that the answer is no mm -hmm. um it may be something to be more curious about of if it feels like that or if it feels like there are those uh, kind of lingering potentials like oh no what if I do this one thing or if I don't do this or and that's all to be navigated I think relationally I think there's also very practical things of I didn't mean to show up five minutes late each mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. but damn it like mm -hmm. I can't seem to get here on time mm -hmm. those things can add frustration um, just because, as you mentioned, time is important in right. the West, especially. Um, but all of that's to be navigated kind of relationally. I, th I th am thinking of one case in particular where I had, uh, this was a couple years ago when we were all still very much, well, it still feels like this, but we, we were pulled in so many directions and yeah. things were falling through the cracks, well, I felt that, like. That was in the past? Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Nice. I feel like we had it more together back then. Maybe not. I, don't, I remember missing a couple sessions with this one person that like it just didn't make it on my schedule. Mm -hmm. and it's such a bad feeling. It was the it's worst awful. feeling because it's the opposite of my intention and it did make them feel, and they were able to name this, which I was super proud of them for, but it's also weird to say I'm proud of you when they're mad at me. Yeah, but so I did. proud of you yeah. for being mad at me. Please be mad at so me. True. I deserve to be mad at right now. Yeah. Like I, I let you down in this way. Um, but just being able to name that was actually so, I think, pivotal in our relationship to build the trust because they saw, they, like in starting the next Zoom call where I had missed two, like not just caught it before I was supposed to get on and said, oh. hey, I know that we had a scheduled session. Just total no-show. complete miss. Oh, yeah. They were in my Zoom room and I was not there two times. So they said at the beginning of the next call that they were really surprised that I reached out and asked for another meeting and that I showed up. And because of that, 
they immediately felt softer towards me because mm-hmm. they felt that in that it wasn't about me trying to blame them or get mm-hmm. out of it or shirk the responsibility, but that I was ready to acknowledge mm-hmm. how I had really screwed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was on me. Yeah. Like it was not at all about them. And mm-hmm. um, the first session they were charged for, which was fun. Gosh, oh. Brenda, you're going to be so uncomfortable. Right I, know, now. I know. I know the feeling. Yeah. Like I can, like, Yes, speaking of therapists being so human. Deeply in my body. Yes. It was all taken care of. I don't want to traumatize anybody. Like we all we figured it out and we're still together and actually doing amazing work. But I really don't think that we could be where we are without that rupture. Experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to just to kind of circle that all the way back to us as therapists feeling like to the fear of disappointing them. Like imagine just like let you down oh man i'm sweating like in this like anticipation (laughs) i remember that was like really early on i remember a week where you finally told me i missed like four appointments like you were a hot mess that one particular week i don't know what was up with like the planets or something yes in your computer because like it was a bad (laughs) day yeah bad week oh hasn't happened since i had this Yes, yeah. I think we weeks, have. not yes. sessions, <laughs> weekfuls. <laughs> it was the worst to yep. get like a notification that oh, mm-hmm. yeah, someone's oh in your Zoom room. Yeah, <laughs> what? I'm feeling like I do get compelled to go check my schedule. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> everything on my. But that's the table. crazy part about the second session that I missed. I it wasn't on the schedule. Mm. I was in an email that I had sent a confirmation to them, and they had said great i'll see you then and i didn't get that message and i didn't put it in my calendar so i went in i I think i was i used the time to like organize something like it was you could have been there i could have been there i used the time to like organize like a some like meeting agenda or something i don't even remember but it was something menial like i was just like oh great i get to get this done (laughs) you didn't have those two hours you needed to be somewhere (laughs) yeah exactly so how about we agree that you can't fail me and I can't fail you? <laughs> or if we step on each other's toes, we because will. that is inevitable in the process, yes. that at least on our end, we feel deeply committed to navigating that yeah. and actually really believe that it is the navigation of those ruptures and mm-hmm. tense moments that provide so much depth and richness and possibility in therapy. Yes, it is to me what builds that security. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks so much to our listeners for offering your questions and please keep them coming. We love getting emails and knowing what you guys are curious about. Yeah. This content is for you. And so we want it to be very much relevant to you. Mm -hmm. So safe journeys, everyone. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will aid you in your healing journey. If you are feeling inspired by something that you heard today, and desire to seek out your own therapy, we would encourage you to do so and would be honored to support you in finding a therapist that is the right fit for you. You can contact us by emailing therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Beyond Trauma Podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media.
a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Notice that is an EMDR podcast hosted by Andrea-approved consultants and trainers who use EMDR in their practice. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast.